this, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Welcome to another episode of the show. We are joined, as always, by the man himself, Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, welcome to another episode, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Tyler. I'm, I'm sporting my new microphone that you were kind enough to send me after I totally <laughs> trashed the other one somehow. I don't know. Dra- yeah, I don't know. Dra- Dragging that thing across country, it got beat up. So yeah, yeah. I think I figured somewhere in like the five different moves that you've made since we started this podcast, that microphone bit the dust, and so it you did. know that happens. It did, but it, it it served us well. But we got a new one, so up and running, and really really fun day today with our our guest. I'm looking forward to the introduction from you on her, but it, it, this is going to be a great one. I can tell you. I'm excited. I'm excited for this conversation. So we are welcoming on the podcast today, Li Ji. She is the CEO at Alliance Driveaway Solutions. She also goes by LJ. So that's what we'll say for the rest of the podcast. LJ, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And it's already been fun. So let's take this show on the road. Well, on the road. See, she's she's naturally a, a, has a natural affinity for trucks. So she says on the road, but... LJ, it's really fun to have you on. We we've known each other a long time now, and you know, just thinking back over the the years and all the crazy stuff we've done and the wedding, and you know, just we, we we've just had a good time. So I figured, you know, with all of our personal relationships and our our time and the people we share in common, we just get together and talk a little bit about how some of those relationships that we've you know between you and I and our our spouses have all developed how those things have transpired into what you guys are doing for your career and wanted to hear a little bit about that. So tell us a little bit about your company and what you guys do and just educate us a little bit. Definitely, definitely. And so Alliance Driveway Solutions, I would say it is a logistic company. And uh, what do we do if you're familiar with Uber? You just think about the Uber, is it transporting individual passengers from A to B? And now it's global-wise, in, even in China, Uber is fully functional. So think about Alliance is in that fashion, but instead of uh, transporting humans, we are having machinery, much more focused on Class A um, trucks. Uh, we are operating in lower 48 states in U.S. and Canada. And the business itself has uh, in place over 10 years. Woohoo, we get to the double digits. So very proud of the team, for sure. You know, what you guys do, you know, when talking, and, and LJ's husband is a, our friend Tate, T-A-T-E, great fellow, and so we were talking one day right after I met him, really. So I guess, you know, eight, eight years ago or whatever it was. And he was describing, you know, what they did. And I couldn't get a visual on it. But now I know, like, if, if somebody orders a, you know, a Freightliner truck and they need it in Oregon, these guys are responsible for making sure that truck gets out of the North Carolina factory and is delivered, you know, to where it's supposed to go. So it's it's kind of like Amazon for big trucks. Yep. That's another good analogy for sure. 
LJ, you know my my brain works in a weird way, so that just kind of popped out. So that's how we love you. Well, you know what I find really interesting about your business model is that you guys have a multitude of people and drivers that you pull from your talent pool, you know, to to get this work done and get these trucks delivered safely and in, in, in one piece because people spend a lot of money, you know, buying a large truck, piece of equipment. It's a capital investment, not to mention, you know, there's me as a recovering business owner and part-time business owner. There's an emotional piece that goes into a capital purchase. You know, you, I, I would, I, I can't speak to, you know, uh, Walmart. They would probably buy a billion trucks a year, but, you know, a, a fella or a lady who's buying a truck or two that are building a small business, you know, there's a certain amount of emotional buy-in when you're writing that big of a check you want your baby to arrive in good condition and it, you want your baby to be handed over to you in, in good working order and you know all that all the emotional pieces that you just don't see when you're shuffling paperwork so how do you how do you as a company how, how does alliance i guess vet or or you know ensure that you're representatives are, are repping what you guys, I mean, I know what y'all are all about, but how do you, how do you make sure that that message gets delivered in a, in a proper way, you know, to the consumer, to, to the end user, the person that's, you know, stoked about getting a new tractor trailer or, or tractor rather. Yeah, that's a good question. I believe one of our essential function of our business is to remove the risk from the end user, right? And because when we pick up from the seller to deliver to the buyer, A to B, it's all taken on from Alliance. So the risk itself is very important to everyone in between, like you said, the emotion, right? And we do operate with owner operators as well, which is individual buyers. Also, we operate in a corporate fashion saying Arrow is a big truck and center and uh, they buy in a fleet and how we deliver that uh, whole fleet to help their corporate actually can feed hundreds, if not thousands individuals. So I think it's very important is building the trust or your brand. Well, hold on, hold on, LJ. She said it, Tyler. Let's see, we're, we're what, six minutes in? Yeah, about six, seven minutes. All right. So LJ, the word trust, that word, no, you didn't win, um, <laughs> but you did come in like, you know, 48th or something, but there is a certain merit to that word that, mm -hmm. that usually bubbles up when we're having a conversation. So thank you for, thank you for bringing the word up because it's an important word. Yep, definitely. I think the trust is earned as well. Maybe it bobbed up as well. Because when you interact with individuals, um, very important is how you deliver for word. Then you need to walk the walk, right? That's always my um, my philosophy. Saying what is the most important thing? Boxing or any sports is follow through, right? You say something, you say I can do it, and at the end of the day is if you did do and when. And to my uh, philosophy is when it's not if. So I think from 
the smaller scale as we just met eight years ago when we are infant stage in Alliance. So we had about, say, two or three employees and Tay was one. And uh, we had probably 10 drivers to now we have over, actually, we just hired another two. So we're looking at the 16 employees and uh, over 300 drivers or contractors. I think that's really built on the reputation and how we do in the space. And we do not promise if we can do. And we've been very transparent about what we can do and when we can do it. So that's all the logistics. You're using Amazon as an example, right? Amazon Prime. The promise is it will be overnight, two days, and five days minimum box. And which one you want to choose? You might get a refund if you give us more time. But if you say, I want overnight, it's at your doorstep. And that words come through. And the trucking, in a way, is relatively small industry. And a lot of old guards, starting with used truck. That's where I start tapping in. I went to every single national convention for used truck association called UTA. So every November. And that's the biggest arena. Actually, you can build up your reputation and also to learn and compare notes with your competitions. And I always love to know what who else is doing better, if there is any. It's always, I'd never be the smartest person in the room, but I can have something offered and learn from them. And eventually the words are coming through and we are getting into OEM now, so original manufacturers. So we're doing with Volvo, we're doing with Packard, etc. So I think that does take time, but the rule of thumb, like we go back, is trust and earn. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you you said that you weren't the smartest person in the room, but I know you're fairly smart. So our listeners can't see you, but they can hear your southern accent. So. <laughs> Why don't you tell them a little bit about you and how you wound up here in the Southeast? And, you know, I, I do want to say that I know both of your parents. <laughs> and uh, they did uh, an amazing job raising you, A, but the qualities that they instilled in you and, and you know, your mom obviously knows uh, more English than your dad, but even with with the limited conversation that he and I can have, there's a certain vibe that you get when you hang out with Papa that you just know the man's solid. And I think that that transfers all the way through the relationships, which, you know, I, I see a lot of both of their qualities in you. So you didn't fall far from the tree, as they say, but tell us how you wound up in, in North Carolina. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for the compliments I definitely going to share with my parents. So about 20 years ago, right before the 9-11, my parents decided to uh, come to the United States as a better future for everyone, especially me. So when they came here and they landed in California, where I was still in China in high school, and I had a lot of friends and decided to stay behind until I graduate. So that gave me a little time to become an independent individual. So I was 16, 17, et cetera. And when they went to California and with upbringing, they find a way too comfortable in the 
Chinese community because if you have not been California, you might be using New York as example. You can be in Chinatown and never need to speak a lick of English, and right. you can live, not survive. You can live very well there. But my parents' view is you need to assimilate. You need you are in a new country. You need to be comfortable who you are with everyone. Diversity that time is not a word. I think that's in their mind is you need to be comfortable in the new environment. So they searched what is what was a good state to be at, and um, they had some friends in North Carolina and Wisconsin. And uh, no joke, what did they decide in North Carolina? Was because there is a UNC Chapel Hill, and the biggest star in China at that time, or still all time, is Michael Jordan. So Michael <laughs> Jordan went to North Carolina. So he is extremely successful. So they're like, we go to North Carolina. The weather is much better than Wisconsin, right? <laughs> where you look at the snow, look at where we are. Actually, where I came from in China, Shanghai, it's a very similar for season, North Carolina. So that's how we got here. And when I came here and I did speak English, but not really communicational. It's much more book. Like I can take tests. I not really can talking to American people because I was start study the British English. Right. So when I came here, I decided I'm not making any Chinese friends. Greg can share with you. I even cannot count if there is one or two when we are really in a Thai community, right? Yeah. I'm talking to everyone and everyone and just not really involved with my small group, which I try to avoid. It did help. And I think it, at this point, it was a little extreme, but it did help me to be comfortable in uncomfortable environment. Total so that, immersion. Total immersion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I jump in and see how I fall, I guess. So um, I went to UNC Chapel Hill. I did and uh, did go through some tough time. I started with information science and I decided I cannot sit in front of a computer for, as a programmer for, not for life, for a couple of years. And then I was like, I don't know exactly what I like to do. So I said, let me go into business school because business can apply for everything, right? Here is business is immersed with everything, even politics is business. So I went kind of flagler and uh, that kind of opened my view a little more because it's much more international. I see a lot of individuals, overachievers. That's what I actually told my older son, Gavin, who is in Chapel Hill right now, is you think you were smart. You think that you were special in high school. You no longer is in college, especially in a good college, because everybody just like you, but they might work harder. So that's kind of giving me that mentality is if you want to get ahead, you need a working double. And at that time, you also heard if you are a woman or you are a minority woman, you need to work triple or quadruple hard, something like that. So it's always in my mind and saying, you need to do things right, think, set, think more, speak less. Let the work translate your value rather than what you upsell. And went through college, okay, great. You know, I'm not 4.0, high threes. Got to um, 
Not that she's bragging, Tyler. <laughs> Only high threes. Only, you know, everybody around me is close to four. I don't want it. I well, have you, you did better than Michael Jordan. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> His uh, major was, uh, I think it was geology or geography. So, well, we are a little different. So the scoring scale was a little different. And, uh, You're on yeah. a podcast with two people who wouldn't come close to 4.0. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's... You, you, the only 4.0 I ever had was on a beer. <laughs> yeah, no, something. I'm a beer achiever. I don't think I even can find any beer under 4.0. It's like, you just got to look in the right area, girl. Come on. Oh, yeah. We, we drink bucks sometime before. Remember at our house? I was like, it's zero. Come on. Yeah, it's, I know. Yeah, let's find a negative, yeah. which is water, mineral. <laughs> that's negative. But after school, I want to do my independent thing again since I was home and not really home, but stay with close to my parents. And I was like, I need to move far enough, but not too far so I can go back. Try New York. It's too cold. I'm a Southerner now. I did not observe I actually has Southern accent, but Greg shared it with me. I don't even know what kind of accent I have. I hope everybody can understand me. If you're not really clear, I always reiterate. And that's where I started in asset management business and uh, working for Prudential first out of school. And the culture was not fit. And at that time, I heard in Charlotte, where I moved to, has a small company I never heard of before called TIA Craft. A small and company. <laughs> it, for me, that time was very interesting because everything is banking, right? The pension is not in play because TIA Craft was totally in different arena. So and like, TIAA Craft, just for everybody, is the Teachers Insurance Annuity and Retirement Fund. So they, they're the investment arm. And LJ, correct me, but they're basically the investment arm for the teacher's retirement fund or, or close to that. Is that yes. accurate? Yeah, you can just thinking about it's very close to, to Social Security, but it's more on the education, higher education, okay. actually. Okay. When I left, actually, TIA or Nuveen, where I was working at getting into the private sector, but it was very tailored to nonprofit institutions. Gotcha. Harvard, MIT, whichever. So when I went, and this is the funny part, I don't know why I push myself like that, but I actually get into a role as independent consultant, basically like an advisor for individual teachers, professors to managing their money. So as I said, I using second language for a living. So that I find that that was a huge leap. I'm not only be able to communicate with individual, I actually need to use second language to convince people. That's whole yeah. another level. And also convince people to give their money to you to manage. That's whole another, let's say, three to five notch up. So I did a couple of years moving to from individual advisory to portfolio management and uh, working and the regime changed a little bit. TIAA craft, we're trying to get more private, dropped the craft, it just become TIAA and acquired a third party asset manager called Nuveen. If someone on this podcast doesn't know Nuveen, Nuveen is a Chicago based asset manager. They actually 
had a longer history than TIA. TIA established 1918 and UV established 1898. So they are already way over 100 years when we acquired them. And now um, TIA, along with UV, now is a one trillion company. So they crossed the threshold after 2020. And I was there as portfolio and the consultant to help, or in a way you would say it's a hybrid role as a wholesaler and on the portfolio side. Let's let's dive into that for a moment because that is interesting. You brought up three points. You're you're using English as a second language to to live, then to make a living, and then the the third nugget was really I never really thought about it, but you new to the English language, new to the Amer- American way of life, you're having to inform people about what you do and that level of trust has to get there in a hurry because they're about to give you their money, their life savings. So that's a pretty remarkable leap of faith on their part. That, that's, uh, it, that just really rings out in my head of, wow, that's a hell of an accomplishment if you think about it. I appreciate that. And, you know, it takes a lot of time. And I think that teach me what is the truth and the fact in a way. And because you uh, just using stock market, actually, when I was there, I was not doing stock market. I was much more involved in the mutual funds. So it's more stable. It's more pension oriented. But it's very important. I feel there are a lot of people as advisors or as portfolio managers is using different kind of catchphrase and saying, I can give you the best return. And that's the best is very vague, right? So my approach was using my limited knowledge. I'm still limited, right? I'm not born here. Am I still, you say some slang. I was like, what is it? I no longer shy to ask Greg what he just said. So I can understand, I don't know. So that's the thing. And I understand what I, I don't know what I don't know. So I have no problem to ask. And I'm very quickly to learn how to confront people. It's not in confrontation, it's like asking why. So right. there was an incident on a call and there is a third party advisor with my client and trying to pull the money out but it's subject to ERISA. So I need the spouse to sign the form two before we can release the fund by law. So I'm going through the whole detailed process. I said, I'm not sure if why this is something you'd like to do, if you want to elaborate later, but this is the process to be able to roll over, right? And the advisor quickly jump out and I say is sexist, saying I'm a sexist. And I was like, okay, man, uh, sir, this is a report line. And I only said spouse. I did not say any gender. And and I informed my uh, and my client saying, let's talk another time. I send you the form, and this is what you need to do. And uh, let's talk and see what we can provide value. Maybe something you don't know we provide, we actually can help you better fashion. So, and after that, the the participant or client called me back and saying, I'm not moving. So that's the thing is there are so many, I think we are seeing last couple of years, right? It's like, what do you say? It's like catchphrase people can get you so quickly. 
But when you know the fact and you think back and what do you say and then you being accountable, I think that's how you win. And like along the way, just meeting people, that's the thing. Network, right? I'm not yeah. saying my career, network just talk just because that's my practice. So well, you know, watching all you know, all that from a distance, I, I have a huge appreciation for that. And the other way you know, you have to use English is in your marriage because, uh, you know, Tate being from Asheville, North Carolina, is English is his second language as well. So uh, you, you, you really get a workout there. I kid, obviously. But all right. So just to be respectful of time, I want to make sure we get the, the full story. So mm-hmm. you you move through the ranks at, at Tia Craft or Tia, I guess, in the latter years. And then, you know, and I know this for a fact, you were yearning to get to somewhere else. You know, you you weren't satisfied fully with what you were doing and you were starting to poke around and, you know, your your business was already up and running, but you weren't fully involved full time. Mm-hmm. So what? how did you and, and Tate decide, okay, we're going to go all in on the family business and blow it up to what it has become. How, how, how did all that work for you? What, what was the, like the pivot moment where you said, okay, enough's enough. We're, we're going to do this. Yeah. I think there are a lot of elements and one of the things was I was pregnant. I tried a long time to get pregnant and I need to check out for four months for my previous career. And at that time, Nuving has a lot of regime change. You know, it's a big company. It, it happens and always happen. And the career track is not as desirable. And also, it feel like in a way is I feel I was pushed out as well. You know, it's just different things. And I was talking to Tay and Tay was saying, if you want to, and this is the time you should come. And it, it, it happened. I was yeah. sitting in office and HR was there and the, the senior leadership was there and they gave me different options. And I said, okay, I'm out of the door. You give me well, there you go. This is one of the options and I'm out of the door. And that day I already had my bag, <laughs> my computer, they hooked up and I even didn't go back to my office. You um, knew the deal anyway, so. Yeah, so my, I swore me to the, the my car, and that time is like very unique experience. Sometimes you feel a little betrayed because I thought I have a lot of value in the previous life. I was there over 12 years, and now I'm leaving, but it's my decision as well. I thought they would save me more, but you know, this is the way to go. So I didn't look back. I went back home and Tay was like, I know you are down, but this is here. We can do it. So the same night, we actually went to Microsoft in South Park Mall and I bought the entire office. <laughs> my monitor, my computer, my printer, everything that day. Yeah, you, you've always been really good at doing small incremental steps. <laughs> I buy the whole dang store out and bring it oh, home. Yeah, you know, you need to do it. I'm just up running the second day. My starting point was audit. I never thought that I was an auditor, but that's the thing. When you do business is you know where you sit in. And uh, 
as I'm brand new in trucking industry, I know the business as I have been running and in, immersed in over, say, over a decade. I need to know what I don't know. Right. So I was learning and using audit as a clutch to help me. So that's where we landed. Interesting. And and another thing, your husband, I've tried to get him on this podcast. He won't do it. Someone had to have to send Guido down there to break his leg. But Tate, this this gent, Tate, his father, and LJ correct me with the numbers, but I think that he served five presidents as Secret Service or four presidents. Is that You're right? Correct. It's five. Star Wars yeah. So, so Tate's dad was like, you know, the guy riding on the side of the car for the many, many presidents. So I always thought that was really, uh, really uh, a unique experience. I just flashed back, LJ, to your wedding gift that was riding around in the back of the car and nobody knew where it came from. The, the, the horse head, the silver yeah. horse head. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> went to the Salvation Army. So, here. So, We'll we'll save that story for another podcast. So, mm-hmm. all right. So fast forward to today. You you guys are up and running. You you listed off the number of uh, contractors and employees you have. Mm-hmm. What do you see? And I think about this often. And I know Tate watches it as well as you. But the electrification industry uh, is really beginning to impact the trucking industry uh, as well as you know. $5 a gallon diesel. How are you guys thinking about the future and, and what does all that look like for you? You know, people still have to have trucks delivered. Does it matter to you if they're gas or electric or, you know, what, how does that feel to you guys? How do you, how do y'all think about it? So we definitely feel it. And not only from the fuel, also the shortage of the drivers, right? So we only hire right now, I never say never, but right now we only have the CDL drivers, which is a operating class A. So mm-hmm. and that's a 50,000 shortage. You see any news, they will tell you now high schoolers actually jump into the school and that's what is market is, right? And the very important is our driver is different from you just have jumping into your own truck or Amazon truck, and they just in one rack. They are all over the country. We dispatch them. They actually own their own business. So we hire them as a contractor, and they are doing their own job. We're paying them as a job. So it's important to form a structure, saying infrastructure. That's what we're doing now is to be able to specialize them, to utilize them more efficiently. So actually, we're building the scorecard, as you're saying, this afternoon is my job to get everything situated and to make this company as much more frameable. So when, you let, when I talk about it, we only have three employees to 16, and eventually I think we will do much more. So it's very important, not a bureaucracy, but a frame. So you know what you're doing, your role is, and it's much more clean and a much more achievable, right? You don't know if the line is moving, what is the target? Now I'm going to draw the line and you can achieve it if not succeed more. So we have a superior. So that's one to keep everybody more accountable. We can track. We actually are building our proprietary software to track it. And actually we'll come out in July. So um, it's good. So that's from the corporate company wise. 
And I believe um, from the business itself, right? And uh, you're looking at the used truck is overpriced right now because the chip shortage, logistic, you cannot deliver the chips uh, to the plant. So the new trucks is not coming out. And then now the used truck being exhausted after like, two years of sale, sell, sell again, changes so many hands. So that's only you can do. So the new trucks have come out. So from my perspective is I am expanding our business, not only from the original user truck and leasing different type of business. We are going into more deep in OEMs, the manufacturer. It's all physical, right? You need to have a new truck produced, then you sell the first one, then the lease or not sell fleas and then go to used and then change a couple of times. You sell as savage and all over again. So this cycle usually as much as I see and talk to various people, it's about five to seven years. Now it's longer because you use trucks. So my goal is my frame for the cycle is much more predictable. So I like my clients give me forecast so I can dedicate a flea for them. So that's how we manage the risk. You know, sounds like you can do the top one because OEM, you know, when to produce, to the user truck, it's much more a personal relationship, knowing where you're buying. So we have different sales individuals to help meet different sectors. Hopefully that answers your question. Well, LJ, that, that is a great explanation of the whole eco-cycle of the truck system. You know, we don't think about stuff like that, yet, but every industry has its life cycle, I guess, or, or, you know, full circle of life. But I think it's really cool that you just jumped in there and learned that that it, it's it is an amazing everything i think about you know the company i work for we have three thousand or so vehicles so what does that mean it means that we have like twelve thousand tires you know like our trucks have 12 you know, that's a big number when you think about buying tires oh it is but it's a big business the, those those numbers just start to stagger but where you guys are such a fun time and i know Sometimes when you're going through it, it doesn't seem as much fun, you know, with the headaches of growing. But it's also a really fun time because you're able right now you're building these these, as you said, the frame, you know, you're building a repeatable process is what you're doing so that when you add an account rep or what, however you define your business, here's the role. Here's the expectation of the role. But yet you're not stifling the person either. You're giving them the, the, the overall vision of the role, but your business is so relational and so transactional in, in the exchange of cash. But you also have to have that rapport from an emotional standpoint. The EQ, EQ piece is huge in that business. So I, I really appreciate learning about that piece of it. Definitely, definitely. You know, when you grow, there are legacy people, you know, probably better than me, right? You were started a long time ago and uh, you were still involved in ownerships. So, you know, it's very tough. And I think it's a challenge to educate the legacy employee saying we are embracing change. If you're not with us, it's very tough. We're going to be very courteous on how we can change but it's going to change uh yeah. we no longer is a two people shop and we just sit at a dinner table and talk about it we need to be fair the fairness 
is from rules, scoring and the draw the line. So that's what are we doing? But, you know, I think most people want benchmarks and they want evaluation and they want to see how they're performing. Most people don't wake up in the morning and I know some do. In fact, I know some of them do, but most people don't wake up and say, oh, man, I'm going to try to get by today. You know, most people wake up with the energy and the passion of wanting to go do a good job at whatever their job is. You know, it doesn't have to be heart surgery, you know, to be exciting. You know, I mean, I'm a freaking air conditioning geek. I love to talk about mechanical systems and I love to talk to technicians about what they're learning. Um, I love to talk about business owners of what they're having to challenges. And then the flip side of that, which I think is equally or more so important, is listening to what the customers are dealing with. You know, how are how are fuel prices affecting our customers? Because we can't roll that big one ton truck around full of stuff as economically as we could two years ago. So how do you, how do you recover that fuel cost? You know, and be sensitive to your customers because, you know, without customers, none of us really would be doing anything. They're kind of essential to the business model working. But on the other hand, you have to have initiatives to keep your business moving. And whether that's a fuel surcharge, you know, which is something that we've had to do. And I'm sure you guys have had to do because that's, you know, labor and gas, labor and diesel is your, that's your cost of expenses a lot. Yeah, a, a large part of it. But give us the give us the uh, and I know the Chinese history is steeped in hundred year planning. Um, <laughs> so what I won't even make you go that far. How what do you see coming up? What you guys are changing in your and you're modeling your business to try to future proof it. What what are some of the the, the concrete steps you're making? And in, in, we're getting close to having to finish, but I, I'm just curious what some of the nuggets are. What are you doing, you know, exactly that is, you know, not only change for you guys as your as your company's maturing, but mm-hmm. are you doing things differently for the market? Is it the app? Are you coming out with an app for your software? I mean, what what's going on with you? Give us some of that little whatever you feel comfortable in sharing. I'm not asking for the Coca-Cola formula yet. <laughs> I do like the burn. So um, I'm a full believer is you build where you know it will come. So it's a little different from the baseball arena, right? So what we are doing is we like to involve more rather than just delivering trust eventually. And with the fuel, it's unpredictability. You can see today actually is the new week. EIA review, it went up again. It looks stabilizing a little bit more. So we are getting into EV space. So okay. we're gonna move semis for Tesla. We're gonna there are all kind of EV comes out. So that's something we're looking at. And it will be in the future. I, I believe it take a little bit from the politics, uh, from just uh, the infrastructure itself. It will not be autonomous like in five years, I will think in 15 to 20 years, especially the derivative market, right? Right now, the EV doesn't have a derivative market. Even for our Tesla, doesn't have a derivative market. So that's one where we can move in in terms of other fossil fuel. 
And we also have a site in South Carolina. We can use it in various purposes. We can use it as a transfer station. We can use it as a training station to eliminate our shortage for drivers. Because right. we can grow them from one way to another. Because we move in truck not only for one truck per time, we actually can move up to four trucks at one time. We call it stacking. Stacking so we, on the back, yeah. Right. So we can bring the single drivers to decking drivers. That create our efficiency, right? And they, actually, we do have an app already yeah. for our and the, the proprietary software actually will enhance our um, efficiency for our driver relation from the core, also the clients as well. So they will have instant a connection with their assets. So give them peace of mind. So enhance the trust itself, right? And so that's. Where I see the three main points we probably can do in the next five years or so. Then we see where we're leading. Actually, our customers is asking our opinions because when you're looking at the user truck itself, it's very important to know the whole market. Yeah. Majority of used truck sales or dealers are little siloed unless you are national. So they actually start relying on us to give them the pinpoint saying where the market migrate to. So that's something I think information is power. So I want to see something we can do to make the use to truck group will be more efficient and we can be more efficient too. So that's something that, I'm looking at. I think the, that training aspect is really huge too. That's uh, in there, you know, my industry is the same way. We're, we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff to try to, recruit retain and retrain so yeah. and the other cool thing about your property is you can also host a nascar race on it so. yeah definitely come <laughs> and we were trying to get uh dear hard junior to come to do an episode of lost Way. you know keep talking about on his podcast i was like you can come it's not lost yet but it has not run for five years so see if you guys want to utilize it it's 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 there. I, I think we should. I think we should do a fundraiser race. Uh, have a fundraiser down there. Maybe get Sean Robinson to come down and be part of that. That'd be fun. We should talk about that offline. That'd be oh, that'd definitely. Be really cool. Anytime. I love you to see the site and the bounce ideas. You know, you are always somebody I'm looking up to. We have you have a lot of knowledge, not just ideas. Ideas different. You have knowledge and experience in various executions. So definitely want to buy some ideas with you. Well, we're close by now, so we can do that again. So we'll we'll right. set that up. All right. Are we meeting so, in the middle, like a toast or um, flanning biscuit? Do you have flanning biscuit over there? I don't think we do. We'll have to. I'll have to. I'll have to search that out. I'm still learning the neighborhood, so we'll figure it out though. Good, well, good. Well, LJ, this has been a, a knowledge of, of trucking and business and people and all the stuff that you guys are doing to bring Alliance to the forefront. Uh, it's really, it's fun to learn about, but, you know, from, it's also very satisfying for me, just from a personal deal, to be able to watch you guys succeed and, you know, raising your family and doing it, you know, the American dream, you know, so to speak, you're, you're out making a difference in the community, you know, and I, I know that it, it's important to you uh, for the business to do well, but even more so for the business to be a good 
you know, corporate citizen so that you're you're doing well by the industry and, and representing well. So congratulations on that piece. And we'll uh, we'll have you back in five years and get get the rest of the story. Oh, that's great. That's great. And, you know, you have a lot of trucks. If you want to, we move some for you. Let me know. I give you a good deal. All right. Well, we, we <laughs> may have to take you up on that. So For sure. Well, well, Tyler, here we are again, my man. It's yes. uh, clocks rising. And it's always so cool to learn about things, you know, like yeah. when you see those trucks and, and that stacking, you know, I, I drive a good bit. And when you see three or four of those big semis stacked on the back of each other, that's got to be a heck of a load. And all the the thinking, you know, like where do you pull in? How do you turn around? You have to right, for, right. forethink all that stuff because once you get in a parking lot, you're there. You're like, it, it, you can't turn around. You're stuck. So <laughs> I was having that thought yesterday about because we're talking about buying a fifth wheel where we can go camping again. Mm -hmm. And you know, Connie and I are talking like you can't just pull into a store. You kind of have to scout it out and make sure you have an exit plan. So that's just with a freaking camper. I can't imagine having four or five big semis strapped on my back trying to think it. But that, anyway, it's a skill. Definitely. Is a skill. <laughs> so I'm sure that I would not make a good commercial truck driver. I should stick to air conditioning and let LJ handle handle the truck. So Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Probably. All right. Well, take us to the house, my man. Well, LJ, thank you again so much for joining us here on the podcast today. We we appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. Of course. And Greg, another excellent episode in the books. Like you said, it's it's fun to learn about new things. It's fun to learn about things that you've seen before, but never really considered. And so, uh, yeah, another fantastic episode and yeah, another great conversation. It's just, it's so fun, man. Because when, when we do these things, it always reminds me of how wide and varied my friends and family network is because we've got LJ talking about trucks from, you know, a, a lady from China over here making yep. a difference. And then we've got authors from Philadelphia and then we got <laughs> Montreal. I mean, it's just fun. It's just a fun group yeah. of people. So thank you so much, LJ, and look forward to some more fun stuff, Tyler. Absolutely. Well, everyone stay tuned for more episodes coming out shortly of Straight Out of Crumpton. But for this one, for Greg Crumpton and LJ, we'll talk to you again very soon.